Hi, I'm Mike Farraher, and welcome to Taste. I spent almost 25 years writing about music and culture for the Irish Voice and IrishCentral.com, as well as This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks, my collection of humorous essays about growing up Irish, Catholic, and guilty in the swamps of New Jersey. During that time, I got to sample the best music and food and films our Celtic culture has to offer. And on Taste, I will be interviewing the tastemakers of modern Irish and Irish-American culture on both sides of the Atlantic. This will be a conversation about the food we grew up with, the exciting transformation of Irish cuisine that is delighting the most discerning culinary palates, and what to expect next in Irish and Irish-American music, theater, and film. And you better be sure we'll wash it all down with a pint or two. Thanks for tuning in and hope this intro awakened your taste buds. Let's get started. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Taste. And we have right now Chloe Agnew. And Chloe is an internationally renowned singer who shot to fame for her part in the, she at the time the youngest of the original members of the famous global, globally famous group Celtic Woman. Uh, that she joined when she was just 14 years old. Uh, she has gone on to record so many albums with Celtic Woman. She's gone on to record so many chart-topping singles and albums on her own. She's got to sing on the stages with everybody from Roger Daltrey to um, just countless people. So it has been such a, a great experience to watch your meteoric rise. So Chloe, welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Mike. There's a large check in the mail for you for all those lovely things. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem, no problem. And right before the broadcast, I had reminded Chloe that I was actually one of the first journalists, if not the first, to write about Celtic women in the States. I was actually in the room at the Irish consulate when you had your kind of debutante debut, and you were all of 14 years old. So my first, my first hard-hitting question for you is, I've gotten older and fatter and you look exactly the same. So let's unpack that for a second. I was going to say, you still look 21. <laughs> Great. Well, well considering, considering I was 40 when I met you, <laughs> so you're a little off, but thanks for the compliment. But <laughs> it's hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, that, that morning when you, when you said it to me just there, like in so many ways, it feels like yesterday. I can remember it as vivid as yesterday, you know? And then when you think about it, that it's nearly like 18 years ago coming up this year, like that's just nuts you know it really is do you remember that time at the consulate i do i do i mean i remember being in awe i mean for us that 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 whole time was so surreal because it everything kind of happened very quickly for us you know we filmed the the dvd it went out on tv um in the january 2005 and, and by the march we were out in in new york on our first promo trip and and we kind of couldn't believe that people knew what Celtic Woman was and, and we, we couldn't believe the power of PBS television and, and, and the Irish community in, in New York who were really good to us at the time of, of, of giving us great opportunities to, to meet good people and, and get our name out there and but just just hard to believe you know it was it was all these years later. I, I think what made it so unique at the time and people might forget about it is there's a couple of things about Celtic Woman I think that makes it really unique 
and of course there's Celtic Thunder and there's other, you know, other uh, out there as well. There's two things. First of all, I'll never forget in the first album, I think it was Orla that sang it, that you did Let It Be, uh, May It Be rather, and yeah, you know, and, um, and actually. Yeah. yeah, and and it was just really, you know, that was an artist as an example that doesn't tour, you'd never have an opportunity to hear her sing that and the way you recreated it to make it from that multi-layer studio production to an organic live experience I thought was really amazing and very groundbreaking and then I think over the years shows like Celtic Woman who really I think started the genre you've done a great job at showcasing Irish songwriters that people may not know Right. So like a Paul Brady, like Paul Brady is like God to us. Uh, yeah, if, yeah. if you know Irish music, right, you know, but another great writer. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that is a, an amazing thing for Celtic Woman is that you've really been the ambassadors of Irish songwriting in a lot of ways. And you're presenting it to an American audience that may not have otherwise known those people. So what are your thoughts around what I just shared, first of all? And then second of all, have you gotten feedback from some of those Irish songwriters that you've uh, brought forward? For sure. I mean, obviously, Brendan Graham, I was lonely talking, funny you mentioned all of those things about Enya and Brendan and the, the music within Celtic Woman last night. I, I just had a, a show here in Florida and it was incredible to see a couple of the, the favourites that, that were requested, the likes of Isle of Hope and You Raise Me Up and songs like that that are now associated very much with Celtic Woman, our versions of them. And um, it, it's quite powerful to see the reaction those songs get from 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 people you know when, when it doesn't matter anywhere we go you raise me up I've sung it thousands of times at this stage and it's still I have the same effect every time you know it, it has the same effect on me every time because I see how people respond to it and what it means to them um, and I think that's that's incredible for us because you know when you look at Irish songs and and, and songwriting they're stories of and, and they're all very real they're 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 I always say it time and time again they're about love land loss hope things that are, are universal themes that people can can relate to and feel and, and and then obviously we have the songs that pay homage to our our ancestors and our heritage and I think you know people who are either they have Irish in the blood or they just want to be Irish can come and, and allow themselves to kind of lose themselves in our show. You know, it's a, it's a whole roller coaster of, of emotions and, and big anthemic uplifting choral songs, slower ballads, you know, a beautiful airs on the violin that will tug on the heartstrings. So there's a, quite a lot of variety within Celtic Woman. And I think we've always been really proud of, um, you know, because we, we don't do just Irish music, you know, we've been been known to do, to take well-loved songs and just put a Celtic woman stamp on them. Um, but I think that's, that's what's so cool about it is that people can come and, and find something in the show that they'll enjoy because there's a wide variety of stuff there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and what kind of feedback have you gotten from those songwriters themselves? And obviously... Oh, yeah, look, it's been fantastic to, to have have met them and, and, and cultivated relationships with them over the years. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive, massive Brendan Graham fan. And, and for him to, he came along to one of my solo shows a couple of years ago. And again, he's been watching the show evolve and the music grow and get to 
bigger and better places by the year. So um, I think there's a there's a great pride there. And I, I mean, our own musical director, David Downs, um, who was at the helm of Celtic Woman for a long time, wrote several wonderful pieces um, in the show with other great writers. And um, their pieces still live on now in Celtic Woman's time. And, and um, yeah, well, it, thrilled to, to, to have the chance to perform wonderful people's music. What can you tell us about the new show now? Because obviously you have Celtic woman fans from back in 2005 and you've had almost more than a dozen different types of shows now. So how do you keep it fresh and what can those longtime fans come to expect uh, this time around? Well, interestingly enough that you say, may it be there. Um, it's been really a thrill for us over the last couple of years. I guess we we had been, I was delighted, look, that I, I, I had an opportunity to to step away and, and do some of my own things. And I'm, I'm still very much pursuing my own solo career, but it's been lovely to have the opportunity to come back into to Celtic Woman. They invited me to come back as a guest on the 2020 celebration tour. And then obviously we got 12 shows in and, and the world turned upside down. And so it's been a, a long two years since then of, of being excited to get back out on the road. And with the celebration tour, obviously we were celebrating 15 years. So the show was a, a, a big celebration of all of our, our biggest and best hits. And um, it, it's wonderful to be in a place now. I was only explaining this to one of my own band members the other night, but we actually have a core chunk of our set list that are, are just the classics that people want to hear they love they it's not a celtic woman show without amazing grace without arnoka flow without the parting glass you raise me up so we've got these wonderful songs that people expect and 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 to get a chance to put a new slant on them every time you know the, the, the celtic woman has evolved so much as a show from from where we started and and so many wonderful people have contributed to to keeping the show alive to, to carrying it from from one year to the next and every time we we do a new version of of our songs that people know us for they'll be different because there's a different collection of voices we've different musicians on stage we've a different choral configuration so it's it's been a treat to get to take those classics that people know and love put a little bit of a fresh spin on them and um and then also include some new music we just filmed our our most recent special postcards from ireland last year in, in in ireland and it was it was the most special time for us because obviously after nearly two years of, of not having a chance to be together and to to work together it was a thrill to to be able to to work on this new project and to take celtic woman all across the country and combine the beautiful scenery of ireland with Celtic woman's music. So there's lots of great tracks on that new special and new record that we're featuring in the upcoming tour. And, and the blend of the new and the old is, is really, it's lovely. For me, bringing again, a piece of the old world into the new with the combination of where the show is at right now, it's it's exciting for us. We all were, in, we've just finished rehearsals the last couple of weeks in Dublin. And, and the first day we were back after nearly, you know, two years and not being together, and the first song in rehearsal played, everybody had goosebumps, you know? Oh, I got that's so great. And it was yeah. a magic feeling of going, oh, this is, we, we all missed it, you know? And the excitement now of putting it back out on the road, especially with the feedback that we've been getting from Postcards from Ireland, it's been so wonderful. So now the last piece of the puzzle is just to put it in front of a live audience and we can't wait for that. So that's it's, a, amazing. it's a mix of new and old. And we've got, as I said, I, I can't say enough good things about, the girls are fantastic. I'm thrilled to be working with the, the girls who are in the group now. They're, they're beautiful, beautiful women and so talented. Um, and we've got just the best band. Uh, they're, they're not only wonderful people, but just wonderful musicians too.
to great dancers. We've got a bagpiper, um, great singers. You know, so, so, so there's so much there for everybody in the show. And um, we're, we're very proud of this one. We can't wait to get it out in front of you. I love time. it. I love it. You know, I was remember an interview with Mick Jagger once, and he was talking about the Rolling Stones to Charlie Rose. And he said that, you know, the Rolling Stones, I'm so appreciative of the longevity and it's so awesome to be, you know, the lead singer of the Rolling Stones. And there's also a construct to it because it's a brand, right? And it's something that you have to further the brand and people come there expecting sure. that they're going to hear satisfaction or whatever it is. Yeah. So I want to speak about your solo work as for a minute, because obviously Celtic Woman has also become a brand, yes. right? And there's a certain expectation and there's a certain brand aesthetic that you do keep in mind when you're putting together a show. So then when you do your own solo thing, that's an opportunity for you to step away from that brand and really, I'm obviously you're expressing yourself in Celtic Woman, I'm not saying that, but you are, there's also an opportunity to, to kind of branch out into some, some certain things. So what's that experience been like for you? It's been a roller coaster. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. When I, I decided to take a, a step away from Celtic Woman back in 2013, it, it for me, it was a moment where I realized I kind of hadn't stopped since I was a kid. You know, I was the best part of nearly 10 years on the road with them. And I figured I just needed to try find out who I was outside of the show, both as a person, as a woman and musically. Um, I wanted to see a new connection with music. And I kind of figured the only way that I could do that was through songwriting and, and through trying to find my own voice outside of the show. And it was, I'll be honest, it was tough. I, I went through a, 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 the first year that I had left. It was both liberating and terrifying too, because I kind mm. of had this moment when I, I was completely questioning who I was as Chloe, aside from Celtic Woman, you know, and what I wanted to say musically and what I wanted to do. So I definitely was a little bit lost for a while. And 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 I think the scary thing is because we live in a world now, particularly in the, the entertainment industry and the music industry, everybody wants to put you in a box. You know, they want to know exactly what it is that they can, as you said, stamp on you as a label and where to sell you, where to market you and all of that. And I come from such a an eclectic music background that's quite varied. And I, I have a love for so many different genres of music and I love singing different genres of music so then to have to kind of decide well which one are you going to be and how are you going to pair that with the world that gave you the opportunity to go out and do this you know there is an expectation when you go out and you do your own shows that people want to to hear you do all of the songs you do at Celtic yeah. Woman and you're you're kind of trying to find and, your and, own and you're not you're not you're not going to show up like with a mohawk with the with the with the pin, in your, with the so pin in your cheek <laughs> exactly it's a tough bridge to have to, to 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 cross and I think you know for me it took a, a lot it took a while for me to realize you gotta just do what makes you feel good and yeah. makes you feel happy and you, you know because at the end of the day somebody's not gonna like it somebody's yeah. gonna look you know yeah. so you're not gonna always be able to please everyone and I think for a while I was I struggled with trying to just keep everybody happy and and in the, the meantime I, I kind of just went well look the whole reason you did this was because you want to figure out what makes you feel good and what's been beautiful for me um developing a, the, the, this a wonderful connection with fans and, and, and I have the best fans uh, you know outside of Celtic Woman who have followed me on my solo journey and continue to support I see the same beautiful faces all the time at my meet and greet at my shows people travel across the country to come and see me and, and that's really special so I know I want to give them what they want too but they've also been 
so supportive in allowing me to express myself through my own songs and and you know that's the best feeling in the world now for me then being, having this hybrid of, of being able to include a nod to my past with with some of the versions I do different versions of the songs that people might know me in Celtic Woman for and then combining it with music I've written and songs that I just love to sing um I right. believe music is heard and it, it's more important and, and more it, people feel it more when they know it's coming from the right place when it's coming from the heart you know as cliched as that may sound but when I get up on stage and I know I've got a set list full of songs that I just can't wait to sing and and I know people are going to be happy to hear both new and old that that's the best feeling in the world well I mean obviously this is an audio podcast uh, we're recording this over zoom and just for the listeners I can't tell you how many times you've actually clasped your hands almost <laughs> like it's in a prayer and also and also touched your heart seriously so yeah. if you're not hearing the expression of gratitude that Chloe's it, it, the audio of it there's really the visual of it that you're just I you could just see how grateful you are for that journey it, it does I mean it I, like as I said it life is, has been a, a a wonderful and strange journey too and it's taken me um you know stepping outside of the show and and having the faith and the courage to to not be afraid to to fail at things or to try things that might work um for me to get to this place you know and I'm, it's an ongoing thing still I'm, I feel of like course. I'm still in a quarter life crisis <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no it, it's it's been it's been great to, to have all of those experiences also now feeling like I'm I started as a, a child in Celtic woman and I'm a, a woman coming back into the show now with a wealth of my own experiences both on stage and off so to to bring that back to the heart of where it all began for me is 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 wonderful and we'll be right back It's time for a shamrock shot. This is one of my favorite essays from This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks, a collection of stories about growing up Irish, Catholic, and guilty in the swamps of New Jersey. This is from my audiobook. Hope you enjoy it. Essay 14, Playing Ketchup with Granny. Although I was born in Jersey City, there is something about the fork in the road on the N-17, on the way to my grandmother's house in Ballyglunin, near Athen Rye, that tells me I've arrived home. Accompany me on this. You are loath to buy into reincarnation, but there is an undeniable sense of silent company walking with you down a hill on the thin tongue of blacktop between Uncle Maddie's house and your grandmother's place next door. The hills that your grandfather worked and so suddenly died upon are a green patchwork with cobblestone fences dividing the fields from our neighbors. You can hear the soft murmur of the livestock braying at either side of you and lambs calling out for their mothers as the dusk settles. A rickety car makes its way toward you and a man you do not know waves his hand in greeting anyway. That's the kind of people who live here. The smell of the bog belches out of the chimney in soft black puffs, telling you that Granny Farraher has lit the turf fire and it is time for dinner. You walk in and there's a weathered table to your right. There's butter and crumbs from the morning's bread where herself would have sat, her hawkish blue eyes devouring the contents of the newspaper that lies folded near the mug of tea. 
Sensing you are judging the dirty dish, she calls for you to come into the parlor. She is there, her hair an impossible shade of brownish-red that is pulled back into a hard bun. She tried going back to her natural color once, and when she saw pictures of the gray hair at 87, she exclaimed, Jesus, who is that old woman staring me in the face? Before quickly dying it back again. Her thin frame is perpetually in motion, contained within a thick blue apron of a dress that she wears regardless of the weather. She smokes half of an unfiltered cigarette, the other part of the fag with a filter in the top drawer, because it is her way of only smoking half of what she used to. With a knowing glance here and a head gesture over there, she directs the ants in putting out the big spread without ever saying a word. Irish ham, cold cuts, and cheeses are rolled up into tight logs, fanned out on the plate like spokes on a wheel. In the center of each dish is a perfectly symmetrical tomato and a yellow potato salad, homemade of course. Mugs of tea and high glasses of orange soda are never allowed to go below half full thanks to the wordless nods of the head by herself. Tell me about your life in America, she would say, her bony hand taking yours as her intense eyes are magnified through thick, smudged bifocals. You prattle on about your good grades in school, the minor victories you had at sports, and the great essays you've written in English classes. Well, he's good-looking and modest, she would say, through pursed lips. It's not until later that you realize her sharp tongue and intellect have dissected you and put those boastful ways in their proper place. Do you have everything you need, pet? She would ask, proudly surveying the spread that has been put out before you. Uh, I didn't see any ketchup, Granny. Do you have any lying around? An eyebrow is raised, a head is tilted, and the uncle's wife is dispatched to make the five-mile trip into Choom to get your ketchup. Well, God blast you, she says, half laughing. Sure, the Lord Jesus Christ could cook the Last Supper with his own two hands, and this yank would ask for the ketchup. The ketchup would be at every meal from that point forward, even if it was toast being served, just to prove that you'll never catch her flat-footed again. The suitcase is packed, tears are shed, and a few hundred Irish pounds are crumpled and placed in your palm. You smooth them out in the back seat on the way to the airport and soon realize that there is the equivalent of your father's weekly wage in your hand. The most valuable gift, however, is revealed when you open your suitcase and find a one-liter bottle of candy, great-value, family-packed tomato ketchup as a memento of your dinner. There is a note taped to the bottle. Now, if you're without ketchup, tis your own fault. From that point forward, until the woman's death, you will bring her a bottle of Heinz as a souvenir from America. She will shrug, shake her head, lift her eyes to the heavens, and laugh with a rattled cough before stabbing her turf fire with a spike.
You lean into her hospital bed to give her a kiss for the last time. Her lungs are now filling up with water by the second. The woman in the bed next to her is wailing out to no one in particular, lost in her own madness. Your grandmother bristles for a second and between labored breaths says, Sure I wouldn't be in here at all if I had her lung power. When you open up your suitcase in your bedroom after making the trip home from her house, you will find packets of ketchup in your shirt collar, pants pocket, and medicine bag. You will take that liter ketchup bottle into every apartment or house that you will call home from now on. The red container producing a smile each time you look at it. It makes you think back on the life of an amazing woman and provides a past connection of your own sly sense of humor and the obsession with always getting the last word, which in this Irish woman's case translates into remember me. All right, we're back with Chloe Agnew from Celtic Woman. And I always ask people this, and I probably have asked you this in the past in the interviews. So I asked two questions that really define somebody, okay? The first one is, the house is on fire and you have to run back in and get your favorite album. What's in your hand? Oh, oh, that's a tough one. I would probably say, and this is gonna say crazy, but the Carpenter's Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> no, it's like, no, you know, why? My, well, my next question is, <laughs> friends are coming over for dinner and you have to, hide the most embarrassing album in your collection. What is it? And guess what mine is? The Carpenters. Don't say the Carpenters Christmas album. <laughs> I have the Carpenters and the Partridge Family Christmas albums. No way. And, and listen, and the Partridge Family Christmas, I've taken that from album to cassette to eight track to, I'm yeah. older than you, to like, I'm Spotifying that. I mean, come on, Honestly. that's gone through. And yeah. you just say, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> All right, so then, so then what is, what's the most embarrassing, is it the same? It, what's the most embarrassing thing oh when God. friends are coming for dinner? I and you have to like- that previous I, one thing, only because my house growing up, that is the album that goes on, that just <laughs> absolutely just signals that it's the start of Christmas, you know? And it just has so much nostalgia and happy memories of my, my childhood growing up. That's why I would pick that one. Most Chloe, Chloe, I've been asking that question for 30 years and nobody has ever <laughs> said, oh my God, that's like crazy. That's so funny, that's so funny. <laughs> um, most embarrassing one. Oh God, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, one. Now, this one is like crazy and, and I'm so embarrassed by it. But so I love ABBA. I'm obsessed oh, with ABBA. Love, but then love. but then ABBA, there's a bunch of Swedish teens came out with this thing called the A-teens. So they did like disco versions and bubblegum <laughs> pop versions of ABBA. Look, at I could just see in your face you want to buy it now. But I'm like, you know, I'm on the New Jersey Turnpike singing Gibby, 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 a man after midnight yes. rolling down. I'm like, come on, I can't, and, and my kids too. I mean, they're just, you know, 
my my daughter when she studied abroad she had to go to the uh, abba museum in sweden that's how oh, obsessed oh, she became with it so oh, what's yours fantastic oh i'm trying to think one of the first singles i remember my little sister bought that it's now in my collection is do you remember that song um blue june i mean that's that single is in my collection somewhere and i definitely yeah. have barney and friends on on cassette tape somewhere you know <laughs> and i also have some westlife and samantha mumba i'm sure I oh, have man. Those as well. like they're iconic you know those albums are the soundtracks of my youth so like that's yeah. they're right up my street I wouldn't be ashamed and, of them. and which Spice Girl most embodies you oh I always wanted to be Baby Spice I mean I always <laughs> but now as I get a little older I'm probably a mix of all of them <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> all right so this is as I mentioned to you this is a makeshift uh culinary uh podcast as well where we always I, I've been collecting some recipes from some Irish uh chefs and I've always been asking people in the uh, that I've interviewed what what growing up was on your table and how did that form your taste as we say here um the taste because we always the Irish people always put an sh with s's yeah. so what what uh, are you a cook how are you how is your your taste buds in your mouth been formed and who did that and and then mm -hmm. where do you go for a good Irish feed well I should start by saying I'm such a foodie I'm such a foodie. Like I, I just, I love food. I love good food. I love good wines. Um, I'm, I'm, I was very lucky to be raised in a household that my parents are both great cooks. Um, so from a very young age, they cultivated a love for cooking in both myself and my sister. My sister is a genius cook. She could absolutely work in a Michelin star restaurant. She's just so fantastic um so i love learning from her i love cooking any i mean i honestly i love cooking because i think for such a huge part of our year my year anyway we're on the road you know so you don't actually get to have home cooked meals so anytime i'm at home um i just it's one of my my great passions it really is and i think growing up as i said i, I was raised in a household with good cooks who also had um total foodies too, you know, Bon Vivers, they absolutely opened our minds and our palates from a young age to, to exotic cuisines, to spices, to um, appreciating different tastes from all over the world. So consequently, there's, there's not a lot you could put in front of me that I kind of would say no to, you know, or that <laughs> not, there's not a lot that I wouldn't love giving my hand to go at. We kind of weren't one of those traditional Irish households who did like stews and a roast on a Sunday and things like that. We're kind of, only as we get older, myself and Naomi, my little sister, kind of are making more of a, um, a, a family tradition of that, of trying to do the, the, the Sunday roast, which is your traditional Irish kind of thing. My which parents- is, Which we call it, we, which we call it the roast. The roast, exactly. A good carving, you know? <laughs> um, my parents, yeah, we would have, I mean, like, as I said, so young, from a young age, appreciating fish, and you know, that which a lot of kids don't sometimes have an issue with, with eating, trying to eat fish and vegetables and spices and herbs and all of those things. Um, now, some of my favorite things actually, ironically, are living abroad from home for so long. Like, I love making a shepherd's pie. You know, I love making a good chowder. I love making, um, my mom is an amazing baker. She's incredible. Um, 
works with cakes and, and there's nothing she can't do. So learning from her in later in life now, only this week, she, she gave me a, a, a chocolate lesson of how to properly temper my own chocolate and, and make my own chocolate bark. And um, it was so special, you know, so I'm constantly learning from them. And um, anytime I have an opportunity to try something new or different, I will, you know, I'm, I'm such a foodie. Amazing. That's amazing. So I know I have cousins of mine that certainly grew up with Celtic woman and, and in spirit of full journalism, you know, I would give them the albums when Anita Daly from uh, Daily Communications would send them over. Right. And, and what's really interesting is they have kids now. And I know that the, the gowns and all the things in Celtic woman, you know, you have those little girls that look to you as like princesses. And I'm sure, I mean, in my own family, that's how you're looked at. I'm sure when you go on the road, you see that in the audience. And what's that like for you when you have little girls looking up at you and to you? It's very, very special. That, that honestly is one of the most rewarding parts of, of being a Celtic woman. Um, it, it, I have always been amazed from, from day one that our show has very much been a family show. You know, we, we have children come with their parents and their grandparents. So it's, you, you do see all of these different generations of people out in the audience. And, and what's crazy to me now is I have young women and, and young men coming up to me saying that Celtic Woman was such a huge part of their childhood, that they remember coming to see us as a kid. And now they're these young adults, you know, which makes me feel old. <laughs> But uh, it's a real, real treat. And even now that, that that's continued on. I mean, I had a girl who came to my show recently and she's a young mom and she remembers coming with her parents when she was only early teens. And now she's bringing her child and the next generation along. So that is so special to us. And I think um, as women as well, to, to, to be, you know, the best part of, of two decades, almost flying the flag for, for Irish women is, is a really special thing. It's something that I will always be incredibly proud of and I mean even the girls who are in the lineup now and wonderful singers Megan Walsh, Murren O'Mahony, um, they're inspired by Celtic woman growing up you know they remember Murren told us recently that her piano teacher one of the first music books she gave her was a Celtic woman music book you know so and now here she is front line flying the flag you know and, and and so that is so wonderful that that music has been passed on from from one generation to the next and and that's what will continue to carry it on and, and forward so it's it's very special for us that's amazing so how how can people get in touch with you on your website uh, how do they get in touch with celtic woman I'm everywhere. You have no excuse not to find me. <laughs> Twitter, um, Instagram, all of it, right? Facebook, you have no excuse. I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh, and and chloeagnewofficial.com is, is where there's a lot of my info and stuff. Celticwoman.com. Obviously, we've all of our, our tour dates and um, all of the updates to, to follow us along. They're, they're all on there. But um, we're, we're, we're going to be very active definitely over the next couple of months because we're just thrilled to, to be back together again. I mean, the idea of putting the show in front of a live audience again is just so exciting I've been lucky to to do some of my own shows over the last two years 
with my band, but on a smaller scale. And, and so to now be going back to some of our favorite venues across the country, you know, big theaters, big arenas is, is so exciting. It really is. So we just hope people will, will come out and, and it's been a, it, it's been a tough two years for everyone, but I think the, the, the power of music allows you to, to, to come along to a show like this and forget about that for two hours, park your troubles at the door, let music speak to the soul. And, and I think we all deserve that after the, the whirlwind that we've been through, you know, so we do hope people will come out over the next few months. And if not, nothing else, they'd be guaranteed a bit of fun with us for the night. Well, you know? I am coming out when you come to New Jersey. So I'm, uh, I look forward to meeting you there and just really thank you for saying yes to this. And, and I know, again, in my own family, I, I can tell you that there are uh, young moms with kids that really look up to you and, and, and the, the embodiment of what it is to be an Irish woman. So uh, it's just been fantastic to watch. And I was there when you were a girl uh, at first, in, that first, in that first thing. So it's just great to see you come full circle and doing so well. Oh, bless you. Thank you. That means the absolute world to us. It really does. And that I can't thank you enough for, for being part of this journey since day one. My God, that's, that's wild. So here we are all these years later having a chat. So thank you for all the encouragement and, and the kind words. And please give all your loved ones a hug for me, a cuddle for me. Will we'll do. Thank you very much. Take Great. care. I can't believe Chloe Agnew said yes to us. She is just so awesome. I met her 17 years ago when she was just a young teenager. She still has that girlish charm. And that's what I suspect so many people see in her and love about her, along with that killer voice when she sings with Celtic Woman. Taste has been brought to you by This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks Productions. The podcast is produced by my lovely wife, Barbara Farraher of Smiling Voice. I love you, honey. And we'll see you next week. Taste is sponsored by Career Letters. We're in the midst of the great resignation, which means people are leaving their jobs in record numbers. That's great news for job seekers. Yet most people aren't prepared to meet the moment of opportunity with the current state of their resume and LinkedIn profile. If you are looking to make a career change, we craft customized resumes and LinkedIn profiles that get you noticed in this digital landscape. For more information, including a blog that covers up-to-date hiring trends and interview tips, visit careerletters.com or like Career Letters LinkedIn page, careerletters.com.